You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki here with you Wednesday, November 16th. Plenty of Minnesota Wild news to talk about, get to today, some good, some bad. Um, we'll break it all down, tell you what's up next for this team, all that as we usually do. But also, as we usually do, got to check in on all the fellas. Justin, another busy week in the Baki household, it sounds like. Yeah, it's my short work week, but, uh, you know, kind of got one sickness to the next going through our house. So um, it's been pretty tiring trying to take care of the kids and also not feeling well. But uh, I think we're getting towards the tail end of it. Uh, it is also my daughter's birthday today. So I want to say happy birthday to her over the podcast. I don't know if she'll hear it, but <laughs> in the future she might. Uh, anyways, uh, doing well besides that. Just uh, getting ready for uh, the kids' birthday parties this weekend and a weekend full of their hockey and, and wild hockey and stuff. So There you go. Zeke, what about you, man? Yeah, no, I'm doing pretty good. Is uh, been hanging out here. Had the last couple days off from work, so just been hanging out, uh, watching hockey last night. Uh, but overall, doing uh, real good. Yeah, you know we're we're coming up on Thanksgiving already, which is crazy because it felt like Halloween was like last weekend, and now <laughs> Thanksgiving at the time most of you listening to this will be literally a week away, which is just yes. bonkers. Which means we'll then be a month away from Christmas, um, which is also bonkers. How how fast time goes. Um, but that's what happens in hockey season. Things things go by fast, and uh, we got a lot to get to today, so we are going to get right into things. Justin, will go over to you first here, as we always do, for the weekly prospect update. You know, this is uh, one thing that's uh, going pretty well. Uh, I, kinda, I guess we'll start with Iowa. They won their third straight game. Uh, Jesper Valstead picked up his first career win and also first career pro goal on an empty net goal that was pretty awesome to see Um, short-handed too i believe yeah like wonder how many times that's happened i think it's funny like any professional level right i just think it's funny that people saying oh we found our our center can you play center type (laughs) type deal (laughs) sounds like he's more of a defenseman which is what we yeah it does at the moment so speaking of if you guys haven't listened to russo's show with him it is excellent so terrific yeah. He is one of the most well-spoken athletes I think I have ever listened to in yes, my life. I agree. Uh, great lesson. If you guys haven't listened, go take a listen. Um, and moving on, uh, we all know uh, since we're on the goaltender situation, we knew about Flurry. So uh, Zach Zane McIntyre has been recalled to the Wild, and then in return, Hunter Jones has been recalled to Iowa. Uh, just kind of the goalie carousel with the injuries right now. So. And we'll uh, get into that in a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, continuing on, Serbak uh, Petrovsky, he probably would have been our prospect of the week if Volstead didn't have such a good game. He ended up getting six points in four games this past week, got a hat trick in one of their games, and uh, just <clears throat> really good uh, fifth-round pick for us. Just seems to con- consistently be playing well for uh, Owen Sound. Um yeah, definitely looking more and more like a steal with yeah. every passing week, which is for sure. you know, wash, wins, repeat with uh, with Judd Brackett. So. Yeah. And uh, surprise, surprise, Caden Bank here had another good week. One goal, two assists, a couple games played. David Spacek, three more points in three more games. Uh, he actually, they're playing right now. I think they're down five to four. The last time I checked, he has another assist. So it seems like he gets like a point a game. Uh, not too shabby for a defenseman. Uh, Carson Lambos had three assists in three games this past week. Uh, Marshall Warren picked up a couple points in a couple games as well, uh, along with along with his uh, teammate uh, Nikita Nesterenko. 
let's see. Kyle Masters picked up another goal in the, in the last couple games. Uh, and then Ryan Healy picked up uh, two assists in the last three games. Just kind of going down the, the list here. Um, Vladislav Firstov, who knows what happens with him in the future, but he scored his first KHL goal the other day. It was a, a nice shot, top shelf. And then uh, Murat Husandina picked up another assist. It seems like he's kind of getting going again. Um, good to see there. And uh, that's kind of all I have for the prospect update right now. Yeah, and then one other minor thing I'll add, Scott Willier of The Athletic put out, um, I believe, part one of a two-series article about um, projecting the World Junior rosters. He did the Big Four today, so United States, Canada, Sweden, Finland um, projected a Minnesota Wild prospect on three of those four teams, um, those being Jack Peart for Team USA, um, Carson Lambos for Team Canada, and then Liam Ugrin uh, for Team Sweden. So... Um, I would imagine guys like Servak Petrovsky will likely get a good look. Um, didn't sound like, um, from Russo's podcast that Wallstat would be going back to the world juniors this year. I think despite having eligibility, I think O'Rourke and Hunt are now both past their eligibility. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see if any other players sneak in there and some of those other international teams, um, especially the European ones. Um, but you know, for sure it's seeming like three, um, maybe four or five potential, um, again, prospects for the wild. So, um, great news there. Um, and from there, let's jump into the last week of games here from the Minnesota wild. I'll, uh, I'll have to let the two of you maybe talk a little bit more. I wasn't able to catch, um, the Friday and Sunday games in as much detail as I would have, um, usually done or some Friday, Sunday, excuse me. I think that's what I said. I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> it's a late night here. Um, but you know, we, um, we did a Thursday show last week. They jump in on Friday, um, against, uh, where is Seattle? Seattle. Here we are. My, uh, game summaries are in bad order here. Um, where they ultimately do pick up a win, one to zero, um, on a Matt Zuccarello goal. But I mean, the story of this game, Mark Andre Fleury, just fantastic in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty-eight saves um, on two point seven six expected goals against, um, ten high danger saves. Just you know, more of the same for Mark Andre Fleury. Um, but the team as a whole just massively outplayed, mustering just twenty-one shots, six high danger chances. 1.75 expected goals so um not necessarily the offensive effort you want to see but you know they do the important thing and ultimately in the end uh, win the game you know it doesn't always matter if it's pretty just sometimes it matters you just you know things fall right and your goalie steals one for you and that seems to be what happened here on uh on friday night right yeah i mean <clears throat> kind of paid them back for the shutout that they gave us when we looked like absolute crap the last time we played them um it did seem like you know most of the stats, like Seattle has the advantage like in shots, face-offs. Uh, once again, our penalty kill was good, which seems to be one of the bright spots lately, uh, stopping all four of their power plays. And then, um, you know, we got out hit and all this stuff. But uh, like you said, Marc-Andre Fleury played really well, ended up getting the shutout for us. Um, it was just, you know, kind of good to pay him back, even though there wasn't much to, you know, cheer for other than the one goal, but uh, a win nonetheless. Yeah, no, uh, you know, it's, you know, Seattle's definitely a better team than last year, but it's to the fact that they just play really boring, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, the early 2010s Minnesota Wild. Yeah, I mean, it's like almost exactly the same. And I mean, you think they had, what, four power plays and didn't have a single shot. Like, you would think you would yeah. somehow just, you know, get one off somebody's butt and on goal, whatever. But I mean, you know, obviously part of that's credit to the Wild doing a good job defending. But yeah, no, it was a, you know, nothing uh, really exciting uh, to write home about there. Um, like you said, Fleur is really good, especially the last, uh, you know, couple minutes with the goalie pulled and right at the end there, he made three nice saves, which is, yeah, which is the game saver and probably the biggest part. But yeah, no, nothing. Uh, I mean, pretty much just like uh, every wild game recently, except they managed to win. So, you know, that was, mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah, only other major storyline, if you will. Um, Marcus Foligno finally returned to the lineup. Not a huge impact oh, yeah. in this one. 
um, finishes with just a 13% expected goal share. That line wasn't great, generated just four shot attempts, 0.08 expected goals. So mm. nothing too notable beyond that. So let's just jump then right into um, Sunday's game against the San Jose Sharks, you know, a game that the Wild felt like they had a good handle on through two periods and then seemed to kind of let the foot off the gas, blow a 2-0 third period lead, ultimately end up falling to the Sharks 3-2 by way of a shootout. Philip Gustafson, despite giving up two third period goals, still great in this one. Uh, makes 35 saves on 37 shots, 1.44 goal saved above expected. Um, the Wild get goals in this one from Freddie Goudreau um, and Connor Dewar, a shorthanded marker from Mason Shaw. Um, those two continue to be arguably two of the Wild's best players, it seems, every night right now. Um, but beyond that, I mean, this team outshot 37 to 30, out attempted 68 to 61, um, 18 to 14 on the high danger attempts, out chance thereby by San Jose and then lose the XG battle as well, 3.44 to 2.48. So, again, another game where the Wild, you know, seemed, like you said, you know, for the first two periods, had it going. Third period comes around. They just seem to let the foot off the gas, blow the game. Dean Evison kind of laid into him after the game. Um, this is a game where the Kaprizov line, despite getting a goal, wasn't very good. Um, did see a nice bit of a bounce-back game from the Erickson eckfelino boldy line. Um, and as we mentioned, the uh, Dewar-Shaw Dewar combination along with Marco Rossi played a solid game. Fourth line gets eaten up in this one as well. But, you know, just disappointing. You know, San Jose, a team that had uh -huh. been just yielding goals left and right. I think they were averaging like four goals against a game um, over their past stretch. And the Wild just couldn't find a way to take advantage of that with some shaky goaltending and shaky defense. No, I mean, it was, you know, like you said, the first couple of periods, um, you know, it did, they did seem like obviously they'd be in control, although – to, to be honest, at least for me, I was never fully comfortable watching mm -hmm. that game. Um, like you mentioned, Philip Gustafson, he did make uh, several great stops, uh, you know, especially in the first second period. And I think it was at least twice that San Jose hit the post on like point blank chances. So, you know, you kind of figured that eventually they're going to break through at least once and make it a game. If you know, I mean, I even though you know, you kind of had hoped that when uh, Eric Carlson basically gifted, you know, Connor Dewar and Mason Shaw that two on zero that. You know, that would have been game right there with like 11 minutes left. But yeah, no, it was it was pretty much, uh, you know, like Russo had said many times and he said it that night that, you know, this is they're going to need to get that second or that third goal here to, you know, put them away because you know, um, it just that's when you let a team hang around like that, regardless of, you know, how good you might think they are, uh, it can end up bad for you. And uh, obviously, you know, it, it, it did. It wasn't particularly good. I mean, just. Yeah, no, it was. I thought it overall was just kind of pretty ugly game. I mean, they they scored twice, but nothing really. Uh, I don't know, not much good really to come out of that game, really, in my opinion. Aside from just the fact they got a point, I guess. But you, know, you can't, we can't be doing that at home. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's kind of <laughs> kind of been frustrating. What <clears throat> we're two, four, and one at home now, or something like that. And yep, it's just frustrating because that's generally the place where we, you know play the best in past years but you know it's also kind of frustrating to see Gustafson get these starts and and you know <clears throat> these quality starts and end up not getting the wins because we can't score goals outside of uh you know kind of the first line or, or you know like maybe some depth scoring here and there but not much overall um it was really frustrating to be up two nothing and you know kind of look pretty good in the first couple two periods and then get outshot 18 to 6 in the third and and like you guys mentioned blow that two goal lead and then just <clears throat> not really get anything going in overtime or the shootout and and, and blowing the, the the win overall yeah. uh, really <laughs> um their play has been pretty frustrating lately yeah, between the, uh, and yeah the, the, the wild and the vikings both forced overtime by way of uh prevent defense on Sunday afternoon. So, uh. well, I mean, it's probably a, it's probably the, uh, the old sports gods going, you know, it's gotta be balanced. So yep. if you're going to yep. get, if you're going to get that, you got to blow a two nothing lead. Yeah. To right. The, the only thing prevent defense does is prevent wins. Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the one more game since we last chatted, that was last night, the wild go into Bridgestone arena in Nashville to play the predators a place they have historically struggled, um, and that somewhat continued last night. Kind of a weird game when you look at it analytically, because um, this was a game where the Wild seemed to have the edge kind of everywhere, 33-25 to 25 on shots, 
73-44 to 44 on shot attempts. Um, but just eight high-danger chances in this one. That's not even high-danger shots. That's just chances. Some of those missed nets. Um, and they finished with an XG advantage, 3.52 to 2.92, where it mattered the most, the scoreboard, the wild fall. Two to one to Nashville Predators. They get goals from Ryan Johansson. Um, and for the second straight game, a revenge game goal for Nico Sturm. Or sorry, Nico Sturm was uh, on on uh, Sunday, and then yeah. Nino Niederreiter. So uh, just my former favorite players just mm-hmm. twisting daggers into my back as they play my wild now. Um, it's just kind of a weird game overall. I mean, the wild seemingly had the puck a lot of this game. I think that came largely in part due to, was it five or six power plays, I believe, in this one? Um, five. But just, you know, a trend that seemingly continued through this lapse of goals is – the inability to get to the middle of the ice to penetrate to get good scoring chances. The one goal they get is a is a two on one. Freddie Goudreau beats UC Soros short side on a you know one that Soros probably wants back. But you know outside of that top line, decent control in this one. Um, really tough game for Marco Rossi. Takes two penalties, some turnovers. Uh, Matt Boldy, who we'll talk about here in a minute, struggling a little bit again, especially in the power play. Mason Shaw, Connor Dewar, really good again in this one. Um, Brandon Duhame makes his return, uh, makes a pretty decent impact on the fourth line alongside Sam Steele. Um, then again in this one, Marc-Andre Fleury, um, really good, 23 to 25, 0.24. Um, goal save above expected, but you know, much like Philip Gustafson, can't get help from the offense um, and takes a loss in this one. Um, yep. You know, on their disappointing loss, it, you know, they, they had their chances last night. They were given the power play and, you know, what seemed, you know, beginning of the year, every time that power play came on the ice, it felt like they were scoring a goal. And um, as of late, that feels to very much dried up. And we're seeing what happens when that when that happens. And that is that uh, the goals dry up because this team five on five just has nothing um, outside of Kirill Kaprizov. No. And I mean, like you mentioned, uh, with them struggling in Nashville, it's just a uh... You know, it's kind of this is very frustrating. You know, considering that Nashville is not a very good team. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, at that they're probably close to even, and even if that was the case, you should, you know, be a little more competitive or you know maybe beat them more often. I mean, that the thing that's the worst about that is they always seem to fall into the playing their game, which is you know doing the app the whistle, physical crap, fighting, and all that, and which is probably why there's so many penalties. You know, it was kind of like that game they played there last year where they lost like six to one. The same thing happened, but yeah, it just doesn't. Uh, like you mentioned, they're just not, you know, not necessarily getting to the middle of the ice and getting really a lot of chances. Um, is obviously probably a big. That's probably the big reason for that is the simple fact that, uh, you know, whether it's just out of frustration because they're not able to get anything going, that you know a lot of the their top offensive players are either a trying to do it by themselves or trying to make a perfect play instead of just, you know, getting the puck towards the net and, you know, or, or they'll even just shy away altogether because of physicality. So yeah, no, it was a, it was a pretty ugly game. And I mean, you kind of just knew early on that, you know, you start taking penalties. It's like, well, that's, that's doing exactly what that team wants you to do. And mm-hmm. considering everything, but yeah, no, it was, it was ugly. Uh, you know, not even when the, yeah, no, it was just an ugly game. Yeah, that that was a tough game to watch too. I mean, especially in the first period when we go down two nothing, and then mm-hmm. uh, you know it's gonna be tough sledding from there. UC Saros has like a one point something goals against average average against us in his career, so you you know he always plays well against us, and it's it's pretty frustrating. Uh, not only do we not really have any scoring right now, but we're facing a goalie that has our number. So you know, once again, we can't get it going, and, and you know. I kind of want to talk about the power play a little bit. It's mm-hmm. just been really frustrating to watch. It looks so good in the beginning of the year, all that, you know, crisp passing, puck movement, uh, just getting, you know, good shots and, and chances. And now it seems like they're just passing it around the perimeter and, and then, you know, try to make a too cute of a pass, turn it over and have to go 200 feet back and, and try and make his own entry and then uh, kind of do the same thing over again. It's just uh, been frustrating to watch. And, you know, with it, we saw – we're going to see these power play lines get changed up, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But overall, like it seems like our power play and our scoring was good before, and now that has dried up, and now our penalty kill and goaltending is good. It's like we can't get everything all together all at once, and it's you know, hurting the team. Yeah, 
I think, you know, and the, and the big culprits power play wise, um, you know, we're, we're not a pro Matt Boldy slander, but he's been turning over the puck a lot, maybe trying to force a little bit too many passes to Kirill Kaprizov in that bumper position um, mm-hmm. instead of taking some shots for himself. And then Matt Zuccarello, who, you know, not just on the power plate, even strength too, has been seemingly forcing too many passes. And these are passes to the middle of the ice. Um, that are getting picked and cleared and you know we talked about it's good to try to get pucks toward the middle but at the same time too what made him so effective before is you know some of these guys weren't being afraid to shoot the puck I think I don't know if he still does but at one point I think Matt Zuccarello led this team in power play goals with like four or five Um, Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing him you know seemingly allergic to shooting the puck and trying to force things through to Kaprizov Um, Boldy Justin as you mentioned you know as a result of some of his turnovers lately um has been swapped out of the first power play unit onto the second unit, being replaced by Dean Evison's favorite person in the world, Freddie Goudreau. Um, but hard to blame him when he's got a goal in back-to-back games. Um, just trying to find maybe some sort of spark there. Um, maybe trying to add a little bit more to that second unit, which I believe now mm-hmm. is um, Marco Rossi, Mason Shaw, Marcus Foligno, Jared Spurgeon, and Matt Boley um, as that second unit. So maybe trying to spread um, some stuff out, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I can pull it up here, but you know, beyond those things, you know, what else are you guys seeing from this power play, um, that has just seemingly made it fail to click? Well, I I just, I just feel like kind of like before it was a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of crisp passes and those, basically those crisp passes have turned into turnovers and and forcing things and and not getting shots. So that's kind of yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I mean, there's not much more to add, but I think, just like everyone has said, I just don't think they're shooting the puck as much. I mean, you know, everyone we've got, everyone's talked about Kalen Addison having, you know, the impact that he was able to have early on on the power play. I mean, a lot of times you'd be see him taking shots from the point, you know, getting the puck more often. You know, you'd you'd see them trying one timers with you know Kaprizov on, on on one of the circles or something, and just. Uh, Instead of like you know Brett mentioned with the the high tip and bumper spot, which you know seems to be the the play they want to try the most, uh, you know they would just uh, along with what as he said just just moving the puck, they would also shoot the puck. And I mean I know it wasn't a power play, but when they had the goalie pulled last night six on five with the extra guy, it was again it was just a lot, lot of literally just passing around you know right around the edges and, and waiting for you know a perfect lane to open up, and obviously it never did. So I, I think. I mean, it, maybe it's cop out, but it just seems that they just need to get the puck on net instead of, uh, you know, gripping the sticks too tight like they are, probably because of their struggles. But I think that's just where it has to start. Honestly. Yeah, and from a statistical standpoint, since October 29th, just power play goals in three of those games, four total, um, and the high danger chances where it gets, you know, even more alarming. If you look kind of in the month of November, um, here are their high danger chances against the Canadians. They get seven, but since then, mm-hmm. um, and two penalties against the Kraken, zero. Uh, against the Kings, they get one. Against the Ducks, they had three, and then, you know, against Seattle where they had six minutes of power play, they get one high danger chance. Against San Jose where they had two minutes or four minutes in power play time, they get one high danger chance. And then last night where they have ten minutes of power play time, they get one high danger chance. Um, and that was off 20 shots, which, you know, again, that just goes back to what we were talking about before. Tons of shots from the outside um, where you're just kind of hoping and praying you get a tip or something. Just, you know, which, you know, earlier in the year, some of those numbers in that power plays clicking, you have games with four, three, three, seven. Like, it, it's just, it's such a, a, a difference for this team when this power play is going and it's not. They're having the struggles at five on five. And as I mentioned, kind of when recapping the games, like in the beginning of the year, they could get away with not scoring as much five on five because the power play was coming through, delivering, and now we're seeing that dry up, and we're seeing what the result of that is. And it's a team that maybe is mustering one to two goals a game. Um, I'm barely counting the Anaheim game because they are literally the worst um, team in the league, pretty much across the board in every shooting and goals against metric you can measure. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been the one game where they've scored more than two in the last couple years. So um, they got to figure it out. You know, um, beyond that, like we, we can move this conversation to five on five, too. But I think it's a lot of the same issues where um, we're not seeing guys get to the middle. I think we're seeing a lot of turnovers high in the zone, um, you know, outside of maybe two or three players. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of 
willingness to forecheck. They haven't been able to really establish that, establish zone time, which was an issue, especially in the first period last night against Nashville. It just seems to be piling up. And, you know, as much as I'm a proponent of size, doesn't always matter. It definitely seems to be, you know, a factor right now with, with the team, the inability to kind of create space um, down low, even now with the return of uh, Brandon Duham, Marcus Foligno as well. Yeah, I think another thing that I've noticed too is, you know, when we're going well, we're making these own entries and when things aren't going well, we're more doing the dump and chase and just kind of not getting that four check going and, and, you know, basically having to go 200 feet again because we give it to the other team and, and can't keep it in the zone. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, think that's exactly right, just about the zone entries. I mean, you, you can go back to that game against Seattle at home. Yeah, I know they won a couple games after that, but they had the same problem that game where, you know, I, obviously some of it is credit to your team. You know, like I mentioned, Nashville really plays them physically and tough, and so that that's probably part of it. But, yeah, no, that's uh, – you're upset at that. They just, uh, you know, pucks bouncing off sticks or, you know, like you mentioned, they just dump and chase where – I think it's kind of tough because, you know, I think maybe we're kind of, you know, I just think the team maybe just isn't as skilled this year and maybe doesn't have the same ability to skate the puck in, you know, as they did last year. And I know they keep talking about we have to play to our identity and Nevison keeps going, we can't play, you know, the high skill offensive game. Um, so I, I, maybe that's part of it. And it's not totally the problem, but yeah, I mean, they, they aren't really able to do anything because when you want, when you can't play, when you're not playing physical enough, obviously, if you do the dump and chase, you're not going to get the puck back ever. So it'll just come right back out to your blue line. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it just, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's a, that's a good, really good point about the zone entries. It just can't, uh, you know, you're not going to score, like you said, if you can't get the puck in the offensive zone ever. So. Yeah, and I, I don't know what the fix is. I mean, it's easy to sit here and say, you know, well, try to get more controlled zone ex- zone entries and establish mm-hmm. a better forecheck, but that comes with the effort and beating guys for pucks down low. Um, there's just not a lot of guys doing that right now, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So um, Dean Evison's going to maybe have to dig into his bag of tricks. Um, you know, one thing he's going to try, excuse me, um, tomorrow night is mixing up the lines again. Um, our remaining to see, you know, we, we saw him mention, you know, Kaprizov and Zuccarello, you know, talking about the east-west going more north-south, the potential of those two splitting up, still not coming to fruition yet. Um, that line stays intact with Gujo in the middle. Um, but we are now seeing a second, third line, whatever you want to call it now, of um, Matt Boldy, Connor Dewar, and Mason Shaw. Um, as I mentioned, Dewar and Shaw have been arguably the team's best two forwards, um, at least in terms of driving play. Um, I think it, I was looking at this today. I think in 70-some minutes of five-on-five five ice time, with though, when those two are both on the ice, they have not surrendered a goal against um, and have two of their own, um, which is two fewer than their actual expected goals um, for as well. So maybe that helps maybe get a Matt Boldy going. Maybe that line can be effective. Um, the third line now, um, Erickson Eck, Felino, and Duhame as we wait for the return of Jordan Greenway. Um, maybe trying to create, you know, a, a mini grief line there with Duhame in place of Greenway. Um, and then the fourth line, um, Tyson Jost getting back in the lineup over Adam Beckman will skate alongside Sam Steele. Um, and um, am I forgetting? Uh, Rossi, right? Yeah, and Rossi um, in the middle. So, um, I, you know, somewhat of demotion for Rossi, but, um, you know, it does seem like he's, you know, maybe still struggling a little bit. You know, we saw two maybe somewhat undisciplined penalties from him last night. I think with a reach around hook and then an unsportsmanlike for kind of nicking the goalie while skating to the crease after he had the puck covered. So um, maybe sending a message to him. Um, you know, we, he got some opportunity there, you know, in, in some different roles and, you know, thought he looked good when he was playing with Dewar and Shaw. Um, I, I don't love that they split that line up, but they have to find ways to put pucks in the net and you can only, you know, defend so long. So, you know, maybe good for him to maybe just simplify his game a little bit again and we'll see where that goes. But, um, you know, so, some new line combinations and, you know, probably mm-hmm. not the most ideal ones, but, you know, they're trying to find something to spark this team. And uh, this yeah. is maybe where it starts. Well, I mean, I can, you know, on the, you know, on the Ross thing, I think it's, you know, I, like you said, obviously they're trying to score goals because they need, you know, they need to win games. So that's, you know, totally get it. I, you know, I mean, I know I said it on Twitter last night. I still wonder if it maybe if, you know, I know we talked about this a lot earlier this year when he was on the fourth line, but mm-hmm. if he's not going to be playing very much, you know, would it be 
it would maybe be better for him and the team maybe if he you know goes down to the AHL for like a week, maybe four games, whatever, and maybe get some of that mojo back. Because I mean, like you said, Brett, he did have a few games where he, he looked better, but there's just sometimes um, you know I, I don't know what it is. If he's just not confident, or he's just still getting used to it. Where it looks kind of lost at times, uh, but you know who that you know who knows. I don't think that'll happen, but. I'm, I guess if it gets bad enough, it's a possibility. But I, I don't know. I guess I just don't. Um, I, I just don't really see the point of doing that and how it really helps anybody um, on the team. But you know. yeah, um, I, I'm intrigued by the as much as I didn't want to split that lineup that you talk about, Brett. But the Shaw Doer Boldy line. It seems like Mason Shaw is the hardest four checker and back checker on the team, uh, especially as of late. And, you know, you saw him create that sweet tip pass to Dumba for, on his goal, I believe it was, and then that awesome pass to Dewar uh, on the goal the other night. And, you know, maybe he's, like you said, maybe he's the catalyst that gets Boldy going because he seems to be the best player on the team, at least one of the best players on the team right now. And, and uh, why not put one of your best uh, – stars on a line with him and see what happens yeah for some sort of spark you know it's at least a guy that's giving effort um and that's something that has a word him <laughs> let's talk about something maybe a little bit more positive here um and that is the ascension of mason shaw um mm-hmm. i have the tweet here that i want to pull up um sent this out um earlier yesterday but just on you know shaw's ascension and, and just a, a roller coaster of a year um that it's sort of been for him um where is it? Here we go. So on October 9th, he's put on waivers um, after a really strong training camp, basically one of the final cuts. Um, sound like the at that point they even debated keeping him here. Um, but he gets sent down. You know, we were holding our breath a little bit, you know, maybe hoping he doesn't get claimed. Um, he isn't. Clears waivers um, on October 10th. Two days later, he's named captain of the Iowa Wild. Um, spends, four to get, spends four days in Des Moines um, before he's recalled back to the Wild after the injuries to Greenway. And I think uh, Hartman, I think, were the two that necess- uh, made that necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Two weeks later, he scores his first NHL goal. Um, a game later, he gets promoted to the second line with Eric Sinek, Um And I think Boldy was the other one on that line, maybe at that time. That's on October 30th. And then on November 1st, or excuse me, and then um, two weeks mm-hmm. later after that, um, yesterday, November 15th, he's promoted to being a full time NHLer. Gets told to go get his stuff from Iowa, get a place in Minnesota, and pick a permanent jersey number because he's here to stay. Um, just an unbelievable story for this kid who you know has torn an ACL three times, which for a lot of athletes will be my career's done. Um, if you didn't read the uh, Joe Smith article in the Athletic about kind of the emotions Mason and his family went through, especially after that third ACL tear. Um, mm-hmm. And just how he got through that, especially with some help of some veterans and some players down um, in Iowa. Absolutely go give that a read. It really puts it in perspective. But, you know, if there's one positive thing we want to talk about on this show today, it's, you know, it's seeming this is the third week in a row where we've just been, you know, talking about how great Mason Shaw is, but it's hard not to. Um, and it's great to see him, you know, earn this opportunity, um, you know, to get an opportunity to, to get called up for injuries and make an impact so much to the point where he's pushing other players out of the picture now. Yeah, no, I mean, you can see, as you mentioned, with just the way he plays, always playing hard, always energetic, always in the middle of, you know, any scrum, standing up for teammates, like he did with the Rossi in the game against Montreal. And and obviously, it's just the kind of player he is, so, you know. And even then, like you mentioned, he's you know, he's maybe not a high-end score, but you can still see, uh, you know, like Justin said, that tip pay, pass that him and Dewar made to, to Domba in Anaheim was really good, you know, that, he, so he's not just a one-dimensional guy, uh, and, and as you said earlier, it's not just you know uh, both the eye test and the more advanced stats like you mentioned both check out on him uh, as you know being really playing really well, and uh, yeah, no, it, it's a great story because I mean like we had a you know we said on the podcast about that week before you know start of season or whatnot that that was the guy we wanted to see get a shot uh, you know full time a little bit rather than just occasional call ups in NHL. Because uh, thought there might be something there, and obviously there is something there, which is uh, which is great. And, and like you mentioned, he's been one of the team's best players, so he's been actually pretty critical to the success that they have had recently. So. Right, uh, and I'm you know 
I, I don't like to play the what if usually, but you know, what if he did get claimed when we put him on waivers? Right. What, what, where would we be without Mason Shaw? Like, who knows? Uh, probably be. I think we'd be worse off. He's he's been the best prospect coming up this year, and and brought so much to this team. Like you mentioned, Zeke standing up for teammates, and then you know making you know, he could score down in Iowa. I knew that, but uh, you know it gets harder level to level, and he's you know done well with his every role he's been put in here so uh and you know even adding to that penalty kill really well with him and doer mm-hmm. together it's just it's great to see some of these guys that maybe aren't like the highly touted like rossi and and beckman for some people wallstead uh you know guys like Shaw and doer coming in grinding out playing the roles and and, and just making huge impacts yeah and i think there's a lot of wild players that could you know just take a look at the way um, Dewar and Shaw are playing right now. It's north south, right? They're <laughs> they're defending, they're getting the puck, and they're going north. And they're dumping it in. They're forechecking like heck, getting scoring chances, and then getting off the ice, right? You know, I, I think there's some more players need to do that, and we'll see. You know, we'll see what that line looks like. You know, they're still two young players. Um, you know, a stretch of you know three, four, five games is good, but you want to see it pan out. Um, given you know the trust Dean Evison currently has him right now. They're going to get some extended looks and ice time here. And um, as we'll talk about in a bit, this is not going to be an easy stretch of games coming up. Um, oh. So I'm really interested to see how, you know, these two players can kind of handle this pressure and handle some of these more difficult matchups, see if they continue to be effective, and, and we'll see where that goes. Um, let's talk next, I think, you know, one of the biggest storylines outside of, you know, some of the, the changes to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the biggest storyline um, is a un- really, really unfortunate addition to the list of injuries. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury today put on injured reserve, which I believe means he'll be out for the next seven days at a minimum um, with an upper body injury. No idea what happened. Um, you know, we we talked about. Yeah, somebody mentioned he that kind of save when that puck hit off the crossbar that he might have hit his head. So I don't know. They did say upper body, so maybe you know. Hopefully, it's not anything concussion or anything like that but that's mm-hmm. the only thing i saw that could you know say yeah i mean it's just it's a shame to lose this guy because um i mean he's been you know got gustafson too but flurry has yeah. really been the one keeping him in this um mm. you know his first four games this year uh tweeted this out yesterday so fully jinx mm-hmm. this so my apologies his first four games this year 18 goals against a 5.25 goals against average an 847 save percentage a 675 high danger save percentage and he allowed six goals more um, than he was expected and then just something t- completely flipped in him the last eight games um, just 14 goals against a 1.75 goals against average a 937 save percentage an 887 high danger save percentage and a 5.64 goals saved above expected. I mean, that is prime Vesna Marc Andre Fleury at the Wild. We're getting. We talked about mm-hmm. how he single handedly stole that game in Seattle. He kept him in some other games, and uh, you know now they're gonna be without him for a week as as some of these you know really difficult opponents come to town. It's just an absolutely huge blow. Um, but you know a, re- a chance for Philip Gustafson to really get in and you know show if he can really be a backup for this team and you know maybe someone that can prove to be you know a serviceable stopgap here as they continue to let um Jesper Wallstedt or Jesper Wallstedt um <laughs> it's going to be like it's going to be um Kaprasov to Kaprizov. it's going to take yeah, some, it is. some training um <laughs> to allow him to to continue to get meaningful starts in Iowa and develop but a huge loss um as that yeah. broke, uh this morning it's yeah he's been the team's mvp especially lately by far and uh you know the injuries have hurt this year but this one may hurt the most we'll see but you know gustavson has filled in well in the backup role like you mentioned he'll get a chance to uh show if he's you know built to be that future backup you know flurry's not gonna be here forever volstead will eventually be the number one Uh, that's the hope so uh, maybe he'll solidify himself as the number two um, who knows if we'll get to see any time out of Zane McIntyre, who got called up. I mean, he's played really well for Iowa. Um, he's only played in eight games in the pros, going 0-4-1, 397 goals against average, 8-5-8 saves percentage. That makes me a little nervous. That was with but, you know, Austin, yeah. Right? Yep. yeah. So a team, you know, historically that plays, you know, very well on defense too, so. So that, that makes me nervous if he has to make a start. But uh, maybe, you know, Gustafson gets the next couple, two, three starts and see where Flurry's at. And mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, the as, Wilds as, don't have any yeah. back-to-backs until the second week of December. Um, I think, or no, sorry. Um, until December, the first weekend in December, they have a back-to-back with Anaheim and Dallas. So, um, gotcha. they would have you know two weeks still for Flurry to get back before right. you know that would be the most likely time, right? You bring in McIntyre yeah. maybe is for the second one of those back-to-backs, but um, or maybe you know maybe you get him in there um, against Arizona on the 27th um if flurry saw at that time but yeah like you said i mean you hope gus doesn't kind of carry the load here and that you don't have to rely on your third string but you never know right. well i mean I think... oh good i said the only other thing i was going to add too is is these injuries seems to happen at kind of ideal spots if you want to say that uh no no injuries ideal but you know after the pittsburgh and carolina game we have three days off so um yeah, you know, let's hope that uh, you know if it you know seven days from now is that Winnipeg game on Wednesday, which I will be at. But uh, yeah, the hope is he he can come back after then. But uh, you know we'll we'll see how things go. Yeah, I mean not much to add on Flurry. Obviously, I said it all. He's like Justin said, he has been the probably their best player this year. But I think the most interesting there obviously is you know Philip Gustafs as we talked about. He has only really gotten the starts uh, so far. You know, obviously, because Flurry's been playing well, but on like the ends of back-to-backs, as Brett said, or and against kind of maybe some more weaker opponents like Detroit, Anaheim, and San Jose, so it'll be probably really good for him to, you know, like most likely, you know, the next two games, obviously, like you said Pittsburgh and Carolina. If he starts both those, those are really hard, uh, really hard tests. So not just obviously for the whole team, but for him specifically. So, you know, uh, obviously he's looked really good. Uh, you know, lost a couple games uh, in Detroit and Anaheim, and whatnot. So it'll be a you know a good test for him to see if he can hang with you know some of the best in the league and you know really give this team a chance to win because obviously as we talked about with their scoring issues the you know like Brett has said Flurry has kept them in games and now they're gonna you know pretty much be asking Gustafson to do the same here for the next little while um, you know if they, if they want a chance to win so it'll, it's a good opportunity for him to you know if he plays well maybe when Flurry comes back he'll get an extra game or two here and there. Uh, to you know, if he if he proves that uh, he's capable, so it's a you know hope, you know hopefully he flurries back in a week and it ends up you know not like Justin said, it's not a good thing that anybody gets hurt, but maybe it could end up having a benefit uh, for Gustafson and kind of even it out a little more and give him a chance to get on a bit of a roll. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with the goaltending, and I think you know the other thing before we get into the the upcoming week, the thing that will be. <laughs> Notable to watch is what happens and what we see out of Tyson Jost. Um, been, in the, been in Dean Evison's doghouse for the last, yeah. you know, couple weeks, and rightfully so. I mean, we talked about on this show, like, I think, you know, right before Mason Shaw was called up, we said it might be time to call someone else up and play for Tyson Jost because he just hasn't looked good. Um, you know, the, the, the metrics weren't there. The eye test wasn't, you know, the eye test backed it up. He just wasn't playing well. Um, he's had some time in the press box. You know, it sounds like he's had a couple conversations with, with Garen, with Evison, um, with Mason Shaw becoming a full-time player. I think if you, you know, look at a team that's fully healthy, um, the easy person to take out of the lineup right now is, in fact, Tyson Jost. Um, you know, his days in Minnesota at this point could potentially be numbered. You know, I think if Bill Garen could get a fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick right now for Jost and clear that $2 million in cap space, I don't think he would bat an eye at that. And I, at, the, at this point, I don't think... You know, if this team is fully healthy, if he even, you know, maybe doesn't consider throwing Tyson Jost on waivers and sending him down to Iowa because um, he's struggled that much. But he's going to get an opportunity, fourth-line minutes. You know, I doubt he's going to get much time shorthanded, um, isn't going to be on the power play. So, you know, fourth line, most nights getting less than 10 minutes of ice time a game. Um, but he, you know, he's going to get some opportunity there with, you know, a, a skilled guy in Sam Steele. And, um, you know, Marco Rossi's no slouch himself e- either, right? So, that line maybe has the opportunity to to create some create some chances. You know, three guys that may have been struggling a bit, but maybe they can all kind of uh, pull themselves out of the hole together. But uh, going to be a big couple games here. We'll see if it's multiple or not. Um, but a big opportunity here for Tyson Jones, kind of his uh, his last hurrah and last chance to to prove mm-hmm. he he deserves a spot in this organization. Well, I mean, I think we've uh, you know, like you mentioned, some of the guys coming up. I mean, they've said that. They've liked the way Adam Beckman has played, you know, since he's been called up. So mm-hmm. that's that's another guy that uh, is kind of a threat to his spot in the lineup. And, uh, you know, obviously you'll give him a chance. We'll see. But, you know, I guess, you know, like you said, I just don't really see that working out. I think, you know, 
I can't remember who said it on Twitter. I'm sure somebody else says, but essentially that he's, uh, you know, too skilled for a fourth line role, but you know, not necessarily the that plays the physical role, defensive role to really thrive on the bottom six like that. So yeah, I don't. I guess I just don't have much hope for him. I mean, seems like a great guy, but I mean, we've said it before. He just doesn't seem to really have the, much of a impact, you know, out there on the ice a lot of times. And seems to just kind of be a guy really but uh yeah obviously that would be a you know any any kind of good play that we can get right now from any of these guys would be great so yeah i, I certainly hope that he can uh, bring something a little more than he has yeah justin anything to add on uh tyson jost and you know mason shaw's presence maybe pushing him to the brink of no longer being a part of this wild roster and you know getting a chance tomorrow and just kind of your thoughts there uh, <clears throat> basically kind of reiterating what you guys said. I, I just really think his time is, you know, coming to an end here, unless he can really pick things up again. You know, he had, of course he had a really good preseason, but the preseason is preseason. Um, like you guys mentioned guys like even Beckman are seem to be almost pushing them out because they're playing well and playing well in the roles that they're being put in mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, making impacts, uh, it's it just seems like uh, his, his time is coming to an end, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if he can uh, resurrect that. Yeah, and it's going to be a really tough stretch of games here. Um, the Minnesota Wild going on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven game homestand mm-hmm. starting tomorrow against Pittsburgh, which of this stretch outside of Arizona might be the quote unquote easiest game. The Penguins, much like the Wild, a little bit struggling as of late. Um, they've lost six of their last eight, um, but have won two of their last three. Um, or Yeah, two of their last three against the Leafs. Um, or sorry, one of their last three. Um, one of those against the Leafs also lost to Toronto last night, 5-2. to two. Lost the Canadians their night, 5-4. to four. Um, You know, they're a team, you know, much like the Wild, high expectations coming in the season. You know, a veteran team, very veteran team with, you know, um, guys like Malkin, Crosby, Latang, um, those types. Um, you know, if, if trends continue, it would seem very likely if you're a betting person and go put money on a Jason Zucker goal <laughs> tomorrow night with, with Sturm and Niederreiter, you know, having goals in the last two games. But, um, you know, this, this, the wild, this is a wild team, you know, a team that has shown late that they're beatable. Um, but the wild, you know, haven't really scored more than outside the Anaheim game. They have not scored more than two goals in a game basically in the month of November. Mm. Um, so I think that's going to be the challenge for them. Um, this Pittsburgh team, though losing games, it's not been from a lack of goals. Um, five, three, two, four, 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 two. Like they've still been putting the puck in the net, but maybe they've been giving up a little bit more than they would like. So um, not going to be an easy game, but you know, again, feels like a game where if they come out, do I think if they do a lot of the things they did last game in terms of establishing zone time, they just have to convert those now um into you know those dangerous opportunities try to find the middle of the ice and of course probably you know got to find ways to shut down Crosby and Malkin as well yeah no I mean obviously you know like you said uh I, I think uh you know obviously like you said that if if Pittsburgh's gonna come in here and score four or five goals you know I don't think the Wilds will have much of a chance uh, anyways I mean you know even if they I would, I would, I guess I would expect that you know they'll start to play better soon, especially at home. I think there, there's obviously an element of pride in that uh, being in your own building uh, in your home ice. You know, you want to put in a good effort. So you know, I certainly expect it'll be a better game. It'll be a little more engaged uh, throughout. But yeah, no, they're just going to need to. Uh, you said they need to commit to just uh, playing better as a whole. Obviously, score more, but I think they they're going to obviously need to commit to protecting their end, um, you know, I, and hopefully not making Philip Gustafson work too hard. But I think, you know, ultimately they, they do need to score and, you know, that might expose themselves a little bit in their own end, even if they better. But I, you know, I think it's just like we said earlier, they just need to, to get good, just get good goaltending. Uh, you know, if, if they can get that, then they'll be in the game. But yeah, no, nothing, uh, nothing else for me on that one. Yeah, and then I think, you know, you look beyond that, they have Carolina on Saturday. This is, you know, a team that's, you know, really consistently good. one of the best teams in the league in terms of puck control. They've won four of their last seven. Um, 
you know, the teams they've beaten, the Oilers, um, the Sabres who are off to a good start. They beat Tampa Bay, um, did lose the Avalanche, dropped one to the Panthers, um, and also dropped one to the Leafs recently. So, you know, not necessarily some scrub teams they've lost to either. Um, no. You know, not going to, you know, another game that's going to be tough um, for sure. Um, and then following that, you have the, I believe, still division-leaning Winnipeg Jets um, coming. Dallas to leads the division actually now. Oh, it is Dallas. Um, but they <coughs> two games in hand with a one-point lead. Yeah. Um, so on a points percentage basis, they would still be leading, um, leading the division at this time. So, um, you know, some 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 good teams coming to town, and you know, without Flurry, with you know, right now without you know, without Ryan Hartman, um, without offense or Marco Rossi. Matt Bowley's been in a slump. I think I just looked. He has one one assist. I think in his last six games. Yeah, um, that sounds right. So we've you know a slump from him after a strong start to the season with, with points, but they got to find a way. Um, whether that's the power play, whether it's you know maybe maybe this Mason Shaw Dewar situation sparking mm-hmm. some offense, something's got to give here. Or it's it's going to be you know this could be. I think this homestand is kind of make or break for this season at this point. Um, if they don't come out of here, I think five hundred would be okay um but if they come out less than 500 i think it's it's comes to the point where bill garen's got to start deciding what this team is you know uh-huh. look, start looking at the expiring contracts of guys like matt dumba um and figuring out what if anything you can do to turn this season around or you know see what you know start building for next season you know that's i think i think we're at that point now i think you know through five six seven games you can push pause on that but now it's to the point where we're like all right um Thanksgiving gives you a pretty good benchmark for, yes. um, you know, the gen- generally speaking, the teams that are in the playoff mix at Thanksgiving are the ones there at the end of the season. And those that are not are not. So this is this is do or die time right now. The Wild, um, right on, on the, the outside looking in, um, two points behind Edmonton, tied with Calgary, who has a game in hand. So it's, it's do or die right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the. Uh... It'll be interesting. I think, you know, I mean, like you said, they're going to have to make decisions soon. Um, obviously, lack of scoring. Obviously, there's been talk in the past throughout this year of, you know, whether they would potentially add another forward or not. Uh, but, you know, as you said, that's probably something that would get decided that if they start to play better here in these next seven games, you know, maybe they do look to add. But, uh, you know, even if you go 500, as you said, Brett, while in the standings might be enough or even worse, like, like you said, it's just probably – you know, time to accept, you know, that maybe they're not as good as we thought. And I mean, obviously they're not as good of a team last year. They're, you know, there's they're, like everyone has said, uh, you know, a lot of guys aren't necessarily repeating career years, even, you know, if unfairly, a lot of guys have been hurt like Hartman and Felino. But, uh, you know, I mean, I I think part of it is just, uh, you know, there's not been inconsistency like, like we've mentioned all the time because of the injuries and, you know, guys like Hartman, Felino, now Fleury being out. So, you know, maybe like Justin said earlier, with all the injuries kind of happening earlier, maybe that could be a good thing. And if you, you know, get them out of the way, but yeah, no, it's a, you know, they just need to get some consistency going uh, some way uh, in terms of the lineup and just, you know, because you just need to get that, some of that chemistry going. And right now they haven't got it. So. Right. And, you know, this is obvious, but good teams find a way to win. And, you know, we haven't really shown that this year. We've been finding ways to lose almost. And, you know, this would be a good time to find ways to win, even though the teams are tough, you know, uh, we, we could still win. It, it's, we still got a good team. I feel like you know, obviously we don't have Fiala, but you know what, um, it's time to move on with from the Fiala stuff because it's never coming back, and uh, they just need to do what they need to do. Otherwise, like you guys mentioned, this this could go south pretty quick. Yeah, um, you know, if you're looking for some sense of optimism, the St. Louis Blues, who we hate in this town, um, I believe it. Um, last Tuesday had lost their eighth straight game in a row. Um, they have since rattled off four straight wins over San Jose, huh. Vegas, Colorado, and now Chicago tonight. So. You know, even when it seems like all hope is lost, you can come back. I mean, that's some good wins in there. Vegas, mm-hmm. Colorado, both good teams. San Jose's been playing okay hockey. Chicago has hung around in games this year. So, you know, if the, the Blues can, can come out of a, an eight-game losing streak and find some ways to win, um, you know, in those games, too, for the Blues, um, toward the tail end of that losing streak, um, one goal against L.A., two against the Islanders, one against Boston, one against Philly. So, you know, a lot of these same issues – 
and what the wild while they're facing so not saying they're the same teams um but just you know anything can happen and i think that's you know we'll leave this you know we gotta we've talked a lot of negativity but you know it's it, this is you know this is where t- good teams you know zeke as you just mentioned the good teams got to find a way to win and if the wild are want to prove that they're a good team this is this is where they'll step up and you know maybe continued health of sounds like jordan greenway could be coming back i think did i hear hartman's has been skating I uh, might have been in a non-con is that even a thing in hockey i don't know but i think it is but Oh, okay. you know, getting healthier have... we'll see you know we really still have yet to see a game with the grief line um since that brief shift for jordan greenway um True. so maybe that line coming back down the line helps we'll see what happens but uh yeah so that pretty much covers everything we wanted to get on tonight justin any final thoughts here before we uh wrap the show up oh we got you on mute <laughs> not only am i on mute i'm drawing a blank <laughs> uh, uh not really any final thoughts just uh you know let's you know see what gustafson can do here and then um maybe getting a couple wins on some of these uh you know better teams that we play can kind of steal some confidence and get uh you know a win streak going again here get goals go- goal scoring again here and uh you know right the ship again zeke mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not much. Uh, really, like like Justin said, just got to uh, you know get behind Philip Gustafson here in the next few weeks. He mentioned uh, hopefully he can you know keep the ship afloat in net uh, and keep the Wild in games here because obviously you know they're going to need it. And just just like I said, just just wanting to see just a little more consistency uh, involving everything with this team. Um, just trying to get back, maybe to get out of the muck of you know win one, lose two, win one, lose one. Uh, and just kind of, you know, start to start to find, you know, as they've talked about, an identity that uh, is capable of winning hockey games and being a good team here uh, very soon. Yeah, my hope is they can build on some of that good from last game in terms of zone time, in terms of drawing penalties, um, mm-hmm. and maybe just start to convert that into, you know, let's get some high, more high-danger chances. Let's make that power play convert. Um, obviously, it'd be great to see some depth scoring, you know, seeming like they're trying to balance some things out a little bit, you know, with putting Boldy with Shaw and Dewar, getting, you know, Felino and Eck with Duhame, you know, stacking up your fourth line with, with skill in Rossi, mm-hmm. Steele, Jost. Um, you know, the blue line's been much better. We've seen, you know, that's something we really talk about. The defense has been much better. We've seen some good games lately from Brodine, from Dumba, from Spurgeon, from Middleton. John Merrill actually had a pretty solid game. I believe last night too, Addison continues to be, you know, a nice revelation this year as well. So there is good things that have happened. I think now it's Zeke, as you said, you know, that consistency and Justin, I think, as you mentioned off the top, just kind of bringing it all together. Um, you know, having a game where you establish the offense are good defensively and good goaltending. I'd say you win games. And I think, as you mentioned, we really haven't seen that come together too often this year. So that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. It's going to be a tough stretch. You know, we'll see where things are at here. Um, in a couple weeks, but uh, we will be a Thursday show next week. So, um, with another Wednesday game next week. So, isn't uh, isn't that? Oh, that's uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So, yeah, maybe it will be a Tuesday, or maybe just with a long Later. break. Maybe we'll we'll skip a week. Um, stay tuned to the Twitter. We'll we'll, we'll keep you posted on, on what that'll look like. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I have something going on Tuesday, so we might be uh we might might be two mm-hmm. weeks before we're back. So, yeah. <laughs> Hold well, your uh, breath. <laughs> yeah also uh, another note we're creeping up on 100 episodes so um i'm sure Ooh. we'll keep an eye on the twitter feed i'm sure we'll figure out something special for that here probably right after the new year when that uh comes up so yeah all right well justin why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work you can find me at de 2004 you can find me at caprice fc with the caprice of countdown and you can find me at mnw prospects with mnw young guns zeke yeah, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat uh, with capital Z and capital B. Uh, if you want to connect with me there, chat with me there, uh, as usual, that's where you can find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are also following the podcast account both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. A big homestand begins tomorrow night for the Wild. Pittsburgh, Carolina, Winnipeg, Toronto, Arizona. Um, all the likely games that will happen before our next show, probably the last week um, in November when we will be back with you. 
Um, so that'll do it for us this week. A uh, couple weeks off for us. We hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fire.